Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Teams on and off the field. 44-yard attempt from the right hash. Snap by Ferguson, hold by Martin, kick by Bass is on the way. And it is no good. No good wide to the right. What call was that, Denton? That was obviously not the CBS Nance Romo call. No, was that, that was the Buffalo Bills radio call. <laughs> it was. Um, wow. Uh, look, in a year when it didn't look like the Kansas City Chiefs were the Kansas City Chiefs, it turns out they might still be the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyler Bass missing that kick on a cold, windy, Western New York day, sending KC to a sixth straight AFC title game, six in a row for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Good morning. Good to be back. Four really good divisional round games to talk about, plus plenty uh, of news over the weekend on the Washington coaching search front, uh, including reports yesterday that Eric Bieniemy was interviewed for the job last week by the team. We're going to get to all of that in detail. Ben will be with us a little bit earlier than usual on Monday. He's going to jump on an hour from now at 11 a.m. to go through all of the weekend news related to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of Detroit, who is in uh, moving on to the NFC title game. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator from Houston, and yes, Biennemi. Uh Those were the three centerpieces, I think, of the news that came out since Friday. Real quickly on the coaching search, uh, I'm leaning and have been Ben Johnson, but honestly, it's without a lot of knowledge about the things that are going to be super important for Adam Peters and Josh Harris to determine, and that is you know, the intangible stuff, whether or not he's got great managerial ability, whether or not he's got real leadership qualities, Um, you know, all of the things that we aren't going to know that maybe people in Detroit know, but we don't know for sure that will have to be, you know, vetted out by the interviewers. But I, you know, based on what he's done with that offense, I'm kind of leaning the young offensive mind, offensive you know, coordinator, uh, the hot hire, certainly in this hiring cycle of the guys that are in that mold of, you know, young uh, offensive coordinators that appear to be on track to be maybe the next Sean McVay or the next 
you know, Kyle Shanahan or uh, the next Zach Taylor or the next Matt LaFleur, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm sort of leaning in that direction. But I say that and I think about the the incredible job that the Ravens did against Houston on Saturday. Um, I loved the Ravens all week long. That was the game that I, I, I loved. I thought that they would win that game big. I also gave out the Niners. I gave out the Ravens and the Niners as the two smell test picks of the weekend. So they went one and one. But I loved Baltimore. I love Baltimore again right now laying the three in the hook against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. And the reason really for it more than anything else, I mean, Lamar was spectacular. I mean, he he was incredible in that second half against the Texans. But Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who I think has been virtually interviewed by the team, right, Denton? He's already been uh, – hasn't – we've seen reports that Mike – I know the request for interview – was out there. I was a little bit out of it at the end of last week in terms of following the news closely, but am I right that Mike McDonald has been virtually interviewed by the team? Um, let me double check on that. I know for sure. Uh, yeah, it does look like they, he, uh, yeah, he has been virtually interviewed, but they okay. cannot interview him again until the 29th. Okay. Yeah. Because he's still playing same with, uh, Ben Johnson. He can't be interviewed in person now until the 29th because of his team still being alive, but my God, the Ravens defense, Think about the results that the Ravens defense under Mike McDonald, Mike, Mike McDonald has had, not only this year, but last year as well. This year, they just beat Houston for the second time this year, allowing no offensive touchdowns for the second time this year. In two games, the Texans did not score an offensive touchdown against Mike McDonald's Ravens defense. Think about the teams that they completely emasculated this year. The Lions, the Detroit Lions who are in the NFC title game and have been outstanding on offense all year long, scored six points against the Ravens. The Ravens destroyed Miami and their offense, the 49ers and their offense. And if you want to talk about a couple of other teams that they absolutely completely shut down who at times had success offensively. How about Seattle, the Chargers, and Jacksonville? They were the number one defense in the league. It wasn't even close. They're one of the best DVOA metric defenses of all time. And I started to look at what McDonald's defense did last year because this is his second year of being a defensive coordinator. He led the Ravens into the playoffs almost by himself with that defense last year after Lamar Jackson went down. They completely shut everybody down, won enough games to get into into the postseason, and then shut Joe Burrow down. It, It took a fumble by Tyler Huntley going in for the lead late in that game, returned 90-some yards to beat McDonald's Ravens defense last year. They just look incredibly unbeatable to me. I don't know that we've had a more dominant team in recent years than the Ravens. I mean, what a test this will be in an AFC title game against Mahomes and Reed and the Chiefs. But McDonald is a superstar coordinator. Again, have no idea about what kind of leader he would be, what kind of manager of men, what kind of overall overseer of an organization as a head coach he would be, 
But as a coordinator, he may be the number one superstar coordinator that has not been a head coach of all of those that are available. Anyway, uh, I still would lean offensive guy in part because we're going to more likely than not draft a quarterback. But if they ultimately hired Mike McDonald, I think I would understand why from a production standpoint. Uh, All right, we're down to the final four. One blowout, the Ravens, on Saturday, and three pretty entertaining games. You know, the game on Saturday night between the 49ers and the Packers. The 49ers lucky to escape the Packers uh, the other night. The early game yesterday, an outstanding game with a bizarre finish, and I will get to that, as many of you uh, were responding to what Todd, Bowles, what both coaches did, what Dan Campbell did, and then what Todd Bowles did after the final Baker Mayfield interception uh, that seemingly should have, well, it should have mathematically ended the game, but it didn't, and I'll explain why. And then, of course, the game last night uh, where, you know, that game for four-fifths of it was off the charts. I really felt like, I don't know if you felt the same way, Denton, and if those of you that are listening felt the same way, I thought we were watching one of these classics. I mean, both quarterbacks played well. Mahomes, better. Okay, Josh Allen once again going home the loser, head-to-head with Mahomes in the postseason. 0-3 now head-to-head against Mahomes in the postseason. They lost, the Bills did with Josh Allen, the, the AFC title game back in January of 2021. They lost in that epic classic 42-36 overtime divisional round game in January of 2022. And then last night, 27 27- 24. So Allen head to head with Mahomes is 0 for 3 in the postseason. He's also 0 for 1 against Burrow. Remember losing last year in the divisional round in the snow in Orchard Park to Burrow in Cincinnati. I love Josh Allen. I do. He's a he's a top three to top five quarterback worst case in this league. He played a game in which many people said heading into it, he needed to play mistake free football. No interceptions. You know, no fumbles, nothing that hurt his team because he is prone to that at times. He did not have any interceptions. He did have the one fumble that was a big one that was recovered by the Bills, so he didn't lose the ball. He had a ball or two dropped, including the deep shot to Diggs on their final drive, and his kicker missed a 44-yard field goal that would have tied the game with a minute 45 left, still would have left Mahomes with a ton of time to go win the game in regulation. Remember, he only needed 13 seconds to tie the game a few years ago at Arrowhead. Um, Josh Allen in the game threw for 186 yards, much of the passing production in the game, at the line of scrimmage throws or behind the line of scrimmage throws in that particular game last night. He rushed for 72 yards, important yards for sure, There was nothing spectacular from a statistical standpoint about Josh Allen's performance. Um, But many said going into it, look, you can't lose the game with turnovers, which he's been prone to. Although, let me just point out, in his 10 postseason games, Josh Allen now has 21 touchdown passes and just four interceptions. Uh, A lot of the uh, error-prone football has been um, pretty much confided to the regular season. Um, but he is now just 5-5 five and five in 10 playoff games with just one AFC title game appearance, 
while two of his AFC contemporaries, Mahomes and Burrow, have had much more playoff success. Burrow's played in two AFC title games, 1-1, and of course Mahomes about to play in number six in a row. He's 3-2 and two in his first five. The game yesterday, the first 10 drives of the game, the first 10 drives of the game resulted in nine scores and one punt. And then after that, Buffalo down three, went three and out with a fake punt that failed against 10 on the field, by the way, for Kansas City. Kansas City then gives it back to them with a fumble through the end zone by Hardman. Then on a, then another three and out by Buffalo down 27-24. All right, so Buffalo had the ball multiple times down three, all right, and punted in two of those instances in the fourth quarter. Um, then finally, Buffalo gets a legitimate stop. I mean, the Hardman uh, play was the only stop of the game. And then they get a legitimate stop, which followed that horrible defensive pass interference call, uh, where it was clear uh, upon replay the ball was still in Mahomes' hand, and that should not have been DPI, and it wasn't a hold because it was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. The contact was on Rasheed Rice. Um, But they ended up getting the ball back anyway. And then the Bills driving for the lead – or a late tie, Allen couldn't step into a deep ball to Shakir in the end zone on a second and nine. He had digs wide open over the middle for what should have been the throw and a big play that would have moved the chains, moved the clock, gotten them into position to score a touchdown to take the lead even later in the game, or kick a shorter field goal. And then on third and nine, pressured, forced to throw it away before the missed field goal. Then you got the two Pacheco runs to run out the clock. By the way, you could make the case that Pacheco was the second-best player on the field after Mahomes. Uh, and the Chiefs are moving on. And Allen and the Bills' window may be closed. A lot of people are saying that this morning, I think. I read it twice this morning. Allen was more than good enough yesterday for his team to have a chance to win the game. But he wasn't great enough to ensure that his team won the game. He can be brilliant at times. The touchdown throw to Shakir on the third and goal from the 13 that gave them the 24-20 lead after the delay of game penalty, there are two or three guys in the league that can make that throw. That was a sick throw. The ball to Diggs that went through Diggs's hands, an amazing throw considering the weather and the wind and the cold. But man, Josh Allen lost again in a big spot. I was thinking about this last night, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine. We were texting back and forth, and he sent me a text, and he said, you know who Josh Allen is, Kevin? I said, who? He said, he's your boy. Drew, listen, Drew in Montgomery County. He's Philip Rivers. That's who he is. Look, he's got a long career left before you can put his playoff record in the Phillip Rivers category. He's going to end up playing in a lot more playoff games than Phillip Rivers did. Um, Josh Allen has already in the last, you know, um, five years, he's already played in 10 playoff games. Phillip Rivers played in 12 playoff games, career, career. But yeah, to a certain extent, It just seems that he's great enough to be one of the best in the game, but for whatever reason, it's not always his fault, 
but for whatever reason, he can't be great enough on the day that matters the most to ensure that something bad happens. It doesn't matter because they're up two scores. They're already up by, you know, 10 points when Bass misses a kick to make it a 13-point lead. Philip Rivers, remember, quarterbacked in, in, in the postseason in two games in which his kickers missed game-tying field goals, in another game against the Patriots in which his defensive team had an interception in their hands to end the game and on the return fumbled it back to Brady and New England and the Patriots went down the field and won the game. Josh Allen was 13 seconds away from uh, an AFC title game in that incredible 42-36 to 36 playoff game. He certainly had a chance and played well enough, not great enough, but had a chance to come through or at least see the game tied on a game-tying drive late before his kicker missed. Uh, but there are similarities in both the way the two quarterbacks play the game, uh, high risk, Obviously, Rivers couldn't run and was not the dual-threat quarterback that Josh Allen is. Uh, but I would not I would not put those two in the same class at this point because I think Allen's going to have more opportunities. He's a younger quarterback. He's played a lot more playoff games than Rivers actually than, than Rivers did at that, that, at that age. You know, it took Rivers 10 years in the league. Uh, before he got to playoff game number six in San Diego. A lot of really rough moments, I would imagine, for Bills fans. Wow. That just seemed like a perfect situation. In the meantime now, Mahomes, 13-3 and in the playoffs, and he finally wins a road playoff game, which he had never had the opportunity to do, until yesterday, 17-23, 215 yards, two touchdowns. This game was amazing from the standpoint of that Buffalo was hurt. I understand that. Um, but, man, the Chiefs in 47 plays offensively. And, by the way, that counts. Let me just, let me, let me just do, do the math real quickly. That counts three knees at the end of the game. All right, and one knee at the end of the first half. So in actuality, the Chiefs, in just 43 offensive snaps, had 361 yards and 27 points without getting a turnover to shorten the field and fumbling one into the end zone and out of the end zone for a touchback when they would have surely gotten minimum three and more likely than not seven for a 10-point lead. I mean, that is unbelievable production. 43 offensive snaps, 361 yards, and 27 points. Uh, Mahomes was more than efficient. Uh, He was creative. He was outstanding. And I thought Pacheco was great, as he has been. By the way, you know who else was really good 
in that game. I think he had three carries, but had a big carry, like a 35-yard carry, was Edwards Alaire, who the last time he played in Buffalo, it was during the COVID season. No one was in the crowd. They played the game on, a, on like a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon as a reschedule, and he rushed for 169 yards. Chiefs moving on. Buffalo and Josh Allen going home. Hell of a run uh, this season. I mean, a hell of a run from, you know, where they were before closing out the regular season with five straight wins to capture not only the, the division, but the overall two seed. In so many ways, I wanted to see them win that game because I actually thought before yesterday, Buffalo would be a tougher out for Baltimore than Kansas City would. The Chiefs got it done. Kevin, you know um, who uh, Josh Allen reminds me of that maybe is a little bit more local to us? Like, I like the Phillip Rivers thing, and this kind of transitions across the realm of sports, but right now Josh Allen is Ovechkin. He's the young, fun guy, fun guy that's really good in the regular season, and there's one guy that he just can't get over the hump against in the playoffs. Yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh Mahomes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a good one. Although I think you could have made the case that Ovechkin, if he wasn't the best player in the game, was one of the top two. Allen's a top five quarterback. I mean, I would take him tomorrow over almost anybody with the exception of Mahomes and, you know, and, and maybe right now, Lamar, good God, was that a performance in the second half against Houston? Uh, but, um, there's something there's definitely not enough you know the 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 close you know people will say well look at his numbers you know and and who they beat though you know they beat the dolphins with a third string quarterback in the postseason last year they beat pittsburgh with basically the backup quarterback this year they beat new england in mac jones's rookie year in the postseason they lost uh, they beat uh, they beat the ravens they did beat the ravens at one year in buffalo in the divisional round before they lost to the chiefs in the afc title game remember they blew the big lead in josh allen's first playoff game uh, at houston uh, and lost that game. And here's another playoff. He matched up against Rivers in the COVID season, following the 2020 season. And, man, they had a shot. The Colts did with Rivers at quarterback, quarterbacking the Colts, and they won that game 27-24. But um, can't beat, you know, hasn't beaten Burrow. They were blasted last year, and he did not play well in that game uh, against Cincinnati in the snow. But let's not forget, he almost threw away the Miami game last year in the snow in the postseason against Skylar Thompson. I'm right about that, right? Wasn't it Skylar Thompson <laughs> it was who quarterbacked Skylar that Tom- game? Yeah, you're right. And this year, come on, man, beating the Steelers with, with Mason Rudolph, he's yet to produce a, a quality postseason win. But, I, but then again, 13 seconds, he had thrown the touchdown pass that should have won the game. Uh, but it didn't. He didn't get to touch the ball in overtime at Arrowhead. His kicker, he puts his kicker in position to tie the game. Too much time left probably for Mahomes anyway. He'd probably lose that game 30-27, to 27, even if Bass makes the kick. I mean, Buffalo had stopped Kansas City one time the entire day. Now, it had been the drive before. Um, Yeah, I love him, though. I mean, I, in the same way that I love Phillip Rivers, I mean – 
call me a lover of losers in the postseason, but it just seems like they have been a victim of some bad luck. But the truth of the matter is, is that you've got to end up doing a little bit more so that you're not vulnerable to 13 seconds left. You're not vulnerable to a kicker missing a kick in a stiff wind. Um, and, uh, and he hasn't done that yet. Maybe he will. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Buffalo Bills in the offseason. All right, we're going to get to everything Washington-related at 11. The rest of the playoff weekend when we come back. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, the Team980.com. We're also free and live on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lions off to the NFC Championship game for the first time since the 91 season. That means the team with the longest NFC title game drought, it's us. Uh, It was Detroit forever, but it's now us. The last NFC Championship game we played in was against the Lions following the 1991 season. Detroit off to San Francisco. They are an early seven-point favorite, although I've seen that come down to six and a half in a lot of spots in the second of the two title games on Sunday. So it's the AFC Championship game first in Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Chiefs. And then the 6.30 uh, Sunday night start is in Santa Clara, Detroit at San Francisco uh, in the playoffs. 31-23, to uh, the Lions beat the Buccaneers. A lot more on this on that game coming up. Let me mention to all of you, that winter's here. Man, uh, how about that overperforming snowfall on Friday? Now, I was up in New Jersey, um, as Denton, you know, and some of you listeners know, um, where we got probably four or five inches, uh, Monmouth County, New Jersey, Spring Lake, that area, if you know that, Belmar, that area. Uh, and it was a bit of an overperformer there. But I was following the situation here, as I do with the 
our gang and with Doug and all of the weather people. And it didn't look like they were calling for four to six until it basically got to four to six. Am I right about that or not? Seemed like it. Yeah, we were scheduled for one to three, which then became four to six. Right. So that happens on occasion. Uh, tricky weather forecasting around here. But, man, winter uh, arrived last week, and it is going to be here. Uh, we warm up a little bit this week, actually a lot later this week, and then it'll get cold again towards the end of the month into February. And, look, as the air is getting colder, your energy bills will be at all-time highs, especially if you've got older windows. If your windows are 10 years of age or older, now is the time to replace those windows. 0% interest at Window Nation for five years and 50% off all styles of windows. Now's the time to protect your family from the elements. Lower your energy costs and upgrade the look and feel of your home. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They are trusted by over 200,000 homeowners nationwide, including, yes, me. Uh, I've been a customer of Window Nation. Many of you listeners have been customers of Window Nation. It always works out. You mention my name. First of all, you'll get a free estimate, so you've got nothing to risk, and then you'll get access to this incredible deal. Window Nation has installed over 200,000 windows just in the last year alone. That's 40 times more than the average window company. 96% of those installed windows required no follow-up service. They get it right the first time. Call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Mention my name. You'll get 0% interest for five years plus 50% off all styles of windows. You'll save thousands on your new windows and your energy bills, all the while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. All right, so the Lions Bucks game. Um, I didn't have a feel. Did you play? Uh, you played. You played the uh, Chiefs, didn't you? I did play the Chiefs. Yeah, I did. The Bucks are the only yeah. one that I lost this week. So you played the Bucks. Um, so I talked last week uh, before I headed out of town. I'm a big Todd Bowles fan. I always have been a big Todd Bowles fan. I think he is a master uh, as a defensive coach. Uh, and I was kind of rooting for him to kind of get over the hump and get some big-time recognition, you know, as a head coach. Obviously, they won that Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Bruce Arians as the head coach. And then last year, after he took over for Arians, they were out, you know, after an 8-9 and nine season losing to the Cowboys in the first round. And then this year, you know, it wasn't like this was a juggernaut team at any point during the season. At one point, they were a 4-7 and seven football team. Uh, and then they won five out of their final six games. Baker May Mayfield started to play better. Their defense was pretty good. Um, but still, they limped by Carolina in the season finale to clinch the division and to get into the postseason and then beat a Philadelphia team that was clearly going in the wrong direction uh, to get to the Detroit game. So yesterday was their first legitimate test. And I'll tell you what, man, I thought Baker Mayfield was outstanding in the game. Now, he took a couple of sacks that really hurt, including a sack that he took that knocked him out of field goal range. He is definitely a guy that sometimes doesn't see it quickly enough, and therefore it ends up 
uh, in a, a negative play, whether it's a sack, uh, and sacks are devastating to drives, as we know, or an interception. Look, the first interception was off Mike Evans' hands. I mean, that wasn't his fault. The last one was, um, but they're pressing too, trying to get down the field um, to score and then the need that they would have had had they scored to go for two to tie it because they had gone for two previously in that down eight go for two, two-point analytics move um, that, you know, you had Chris Collinsworth explaining 55% conversion rates on two-pointers this year. Yeah, let's take Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen out of the equation. Now what are the numbers? See, they never do that. Um that's a big part of fourth down analytics and two-point analytics is when you take the super high performers, typically three or four of them in the league, out of the equation and it's more applicable to what you are. Now you got a number that's a lot less than 55%. But we're not going to talk about that in great detail. We are going to talk about the end of the game here in a moment. But I thought Baker Mayfield just made some big-time plays. The one thing you can say about Baker Mayfield, the dude is just flat-out fearless And he has a gun for an arm. He can really throw the football. Um, And he ended up throwing for 349 yards, three touchdowns in the game. The one thing about the Bucs, I didn't think they ran the football enough. I think Rashad White is a big-time back in his second year at Arizona State. He was 9 for 55. I know he was banged up in that game multiple times, Denton. And then they went to Chase Edmonds, who also looked good carrying the ball. I actually thought they were a little bit... Um, a little bit too pass-happy. And I understand teams have had success against Detroit, you know, especially in the second half of the season, uh, putting, you know, throwing the football. But I thought they should have been a little bit more aware of using these possessions uh, in, in a more balanced way to keep the ball more often than they did. You know, for a team that generated uh, offensively in the game 408 yards of total offense, they still um, punted too much. You know, they punted five times in the game. You know, they're, they're, I just thought that there were too many throws personally. Look, Mike Evans, the, the drive at the end of the first half, the two catches he had, and, you know, the touchdown catch that made it 31-23. I thought the two-point conversion, I don't know what Terry McCauley was talking about, their referee expert. I thought that was clearly defensive pass interference. The defender never turns around. He's making contact. And, you know, there was this discussion between Tariko Collinsworth and McCauley. If Evans just stops, he couldn't stop. He was moving backwards and he was being pushed. Did you, you know, the play I'm talking about, the two point conversion? Didn't, did anybody else think that that was an obvious defensive pass interference? I, I, I thought it was obvious pass interference, but I also had the Bucks plus six and a half. Yeah, well, if, if, you know, if you had the Bucks plus six and a half, right, you're like begging for them to to do the you know down eight, go for two, yeah. um, thinking about ending the game in regulation um, uh, strategy, and they did. Um, and I, I thought that that was definitely uh, defensive pass interference. Evans, with the exception of that drop, he's had some big drops all year long. Had some drops on Monday night against Philadelphia. Uh, he was uh, he was amazing um, in the game. I thought Tampa Bay actually defensively until the second half. I thought they were really good. The bottom line is is that Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown and Laporta are all stars at their position. I mean, you know the 
the the the bitching from all of the you know PFF and analytics driven guys about drafting running backs and drafting linebackers. I'm not pushing back on that as an overall um, misstep more times than not. But they drafted a linebacker and a running back in the first round. They drafted a tight end in Laporta in the second round. But man, is Gibbs something else in the open field, and he's so decisive in traffic too. Um, but this was a good football game. Uh, this was a good back and forth football game until Detroit, you know, pulled away and had the two touchdown lead, but they came right back down the field, uh, scored, went for the two, missed it. And then they needed one stop and they got it. You know, they got the stop. The big play was a second and seven play with about three minutes to go when Goff dumped it down to Montgomery and he got he got buried by David, who was such a good player and has been for, for so long now. And then they finally got a third down, uh, you know, a big time third down stop on that third and 11. I think at that point they were six at 12 on third down or something like that. They were 50 percent Detroit was and they got the ball back. Um, they threw the pick, though. And then came, I think, one of the more interesting moments of the weekend, a weekend that didn't have a lot of great clock management in it. Um, uh, But Tampa, it it was odd, right, because he throws the interception, uh, and there's a minute 33 left in the game um, at the end of the play. And you have one timeout, Tampa Bay did. By the way, a lot of people were saying, well, no, they didn't have the timeout. They they did have a timeout left. Um, they used a timeout on offense on the drive. I'm not sure why they used one on offense on the drive in which they scored the touchdown. They shouldn't have. When you can control the clock by going hurry up, you don't take a timeout on offense with five minutes and 41 seconds left, which is what they did. Um, so that was not a good decision to begin with. And then there was a play in which Jared Goff was sacked um, on uh, Detroit's drive that they got stopped on, and Bowles went to call what should have been a timeout. He should have used it there, but he didn't need to use the timeout, and they put the timeout back in his pocket because there was an illegal use of hands penalty, which automatically stopped the clock. So here it was. For those of you that didn't follow it closely, Detroit gets the interception. They're up by eight. They're at the Tampa Bay 28-yard line with a minute 33 to go, and Tampa Bay's got one timeout. The game is effectively over as long as, if you're Detroit, you handle the play clock appropriately. Uh, But they didn't. For whatever reason, uh, uh, Goff took – a knee with 16 seconds left on the play clock with a minute six to go, and with 16 or 15 seconds to go on the play clock after a third down kneel down. Tampa had not used their final timeout left. So if you do it the right way, you know, you take 40 seconds off the clock from a minute 33 after a kneel down, let's just say at a minute 31. Your next snap comes at 51 seconds. You take that knee, that gets it down to about 11 seconds, 10 seconds before your third down, and maybe they call their final time out there with 10 seconds. And then you bat, you know, you, t- you take another knee with about seven seconds to go, um, and then maybe kick a field goal or not kick a field goal, or maybe you take Jared Goff back and he throws a bomb through the end zone and it runs out the clock. You basically can get it down to just a couple of seconds if you manage it properly and if you manage it really well you can effectively run out the clock because it's a minute 20 
of two plays that Tampa's not going to be able to stop the clock, and there was a minute 33 when you took it over. But that's not what happened. They, for whatever reason, and I'm t- telling you, Campbell, this is the this is the interesting thing because we talk about and have for so many years on this show, you know, the things that we can understand. You know, we don't know the proper technique for the left tackle against, you know, uh, a, a certain pass rush. Um, but we do know, uh, you know, what mathematically makes sense in terms of when to call timeouts or when to go for two or when to kneel down versus run a play, et cetera, et cetera. And Dan Campbell is clearly a great coach. Mike Tomlin, clearly a great coach. Kyle Shanahan, great coach. None of the three get it right all the time. And in in terms of Campbell, I mean, just the idea that from the seven-yard line he'd go for two against Dallas after being so upset about the call, it was lunacy. There was no two-point analytic out there that would suggest he would go for it, but he was he's an emotional dude. But part of that emotion is what makes him a great leader of men. And so there's this balance of really good X's and O's, really good leadership, and then the guys that really are good at some of that stuff that matters, you know, four, five, six, seven times a year. He's not good at that. He's got his quarterback taking knees with 16 seconds left on the play clock. What's he doing? But then what made it worse is when Jared Goff took that final knee with 33 seconds left. Todd Bowles, and that was a third down, Todd Bowles just let the clock run out. He did not call a timeout. And his explanation afterwards was pathetic. And in fact, I think it's, it was actually in many ways just from a, uh, this is just a guess. This is a total projection. I actually think in many ways it was disingenuous. So Todd Bowles basically said um, about not using his last timeout. Let me, let, me, let me make sure that everybody understands. If he calls a timeout with 33 seconds to go with the ball at the 30, 31 yard line, Detroit's going to have to kick, kick a field goal. Of 31-23. It's going to be a 48-49 yard field goal attempt with 33 seconds left. So when the field goal ends, that play ends, there's going to be about 30 or 29 seconds left. And Tampa Bay may have a chance with the ball at the the 40-yard line, 39-yard line, 38-yard line, their own, with like 29 seconds left to still at least get into position potentially to throw a couple of Hail Marys into the end zone. Here's what happens when you don't use the timeout. The game ends. The clock rolls out and you have no chance for that. But can you imagine the look on Campbell's face? Had Bowles used the timeout, he'd been like, what? What are you talking about? Um, the, 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 The explanation from Bowles is that, hold on, I had that in front of me here in a second. You don't have that sound, do you? Do you have the sound? Here it is. The sound was very soft-spoken, so I'm going to read it to you. After the game, he was asked why he didn't use the last timeout. And he said they already had a field goal lined up, and it would have been about 12 seconds left on the clock to end the ball game. We weren't going to come back from that. No point in prolonging the obvious. It's my just projection hunch is that I don't think he realized he had a timeout left 
or I don't think he realized when they started taking knees that there was actually a chance he could get the ball back. Even if it was, if they took the knees properly, there was still a chance to stop it with like five seconds to go and force a decision, a punt or whatever, or a throw through the back of the end zone to burn the last few seconds on. Who knows? This is grotesque clock management, game management by Todd Bowles. It is really a shame because I'm a big Bulls fan. If the answer was sincere versus just a cover for, I didn't realize we had a timeout left or I was confused or I didn't realize that they had bungled the kneel down situation so badly, that would have been, I think, the truth and it would have sucked and it wouldn't have been a good look But this is a worse look because there wouldn't have been 12 seconds left on the clock. There would have been 30 left on the clock. The field goal wouldn't have been a chip shot. It would have been a 48 or a 49-yarder. Now, indoors, you know, but kickers miss kicks. It happens. We saw one in Buffalo. Outdoors, of course. We saw Chase McLaughlin miss a kick for Tampa. Hit the upright from about 49 yards in the game. You have to call the timeout. After Dan Campbell has completely made one of the all-time blunders in kneel-down situations, you have to make him pay for it. He gave you a lifeline and you refused it in a game to get to the NFC Championship. Wow. Every one of these coaches should have somebody that even in the disappointment of Baker Mayfield throwing an interception to what should have been completely squash any legitimate chance you had to win the game, you've got to have somebody, somebody that is paying attention that says we still have one timeout left. Even after three knees, we may force a punt here with six seconds or force a throw through the end zone. Who knows? Maybe they'll botch the snap or whatever. But once... This idiot, Campbell, when it comes to clock management, has Goff taking knees with 16 seconds left on the play clock. you got to have somebody that isn't so emotionally distraught at Mayfield's interception to end the game in your own mind that says, hey, wait a minute, call the timeout now. Now, would it have been a long shot? Of course. Probably would have made the field goal, 34-23. It's over at that point. You're not going to score 11 points in 30 seconds, in 29 seconds, more likely than not. But it's the missing of that field goal attempt that gives you a legitimate chance to end up throwing Hail Marys into the end zone or maybe even something better than a Hail Mary. You take over at your own 38, 39-yard line, 30 seconds to go, 29 seconds to go. You get one big play to Mike Evans down the middle of the field against that defense, which was not great. And now all of a sudden you, you you spike it and there are 14 seconds left and you got another one to the out, you know, sideline to the 20-yard line and now you're throwing three times or two times into the end zone from the 20-yard line. That would have been, had Bowles used the timeout and you had one of those incredible miracle finishes and somehow they tied it and won it in overtime, imagine what people would have been saying about Campbell today. But look, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, there's such a mix of elements that, that, you know, get stirred up into the pot to make a great head coach. 
And clock management is part of it, but it's not the only thing. Understanding, you know, simple mathematics isn't the only thing. Sometimes it's better to have the Tomlins and the Campbells because look at the production they've had as head coaches. You know, Kyle Shanahan's not great at this. He bungles it sometimes too. But they just crush people so often, they're rarely in that situation. Um, He did a terrible job at the end of the first half in the playoff game Saturday night. That would have been an all-timer, though, had that uh, played out the way it looked like it should have. Felt badly for Todd Bowles uh, because he is being absolutely eviscerated on social media and probably by people in Detroit today, uh, people in Tampa today. You just, you cannot, you cannot leave, take a timeout with you without seeing that 49-yard field goal. Have to, you have to call it. I don't think he knew he had one. Or I think he just thought that they had taken the knees appropriately and he wasn't paying attention to the clock uh, and just started to run out towards the field. An amazing, uh, bizarre end to pretty entertaining game. I mean, man, uh, Ben Johnson and the Lions in the second half, 21 points. I mean, just every big play, people are open. Um, he really seems to know how to scheme it up. Uh, ben Johnson, what he's done with Detroit offensively, and Mike McDonald, what he's done with uh, Baltimore defensively. I mean, those are the two star coordinators in terms of this hiring cycle. But I'm not sure anybody tops McDonald's results, really. But that's not what makes the, a great head coach. Uh, we're going to have to rely on Josh Harris and Adam Peters and company to pick the best leader of men because that's what they said they were looking for. All right, um, Ben Standing coming up at 11. We've got the other two games to go through as well. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the Team980.com. College hoops yesterday, Terps fall to Michigan State 61 to 59. Jameer Young led all scores with 19 points. Terps on the road on Wednesday. They're taking on Iowa. Wizards in action last night. They fall to the Nuggets 113 to 104. Nikola Jokic goes for 42 points, 12 rebounds, and eight assists. And that's what's trending. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. From Brad on Twitter, they took that last snap with 36 seconds left in the game clock, Sheehan. Um, yeah, you're right. I, that's what I meant. I, I was three seconds off. You're correct. Um, the field goal attempt would have come with 36 left. 
if it misses, there are 33 seconds left, and they've got the ball basically at their own 38-yard line. Um, with you know, definitely at that point against that defense, with a chance to at the very least throw a couple of hail marys into the end zone. Mike Evans on the other end of it, uh, yeah, that would have been pretty wild. Um, just complete and utter buffoonery by Campbell and Goff and company there at the end. But again, it's like finding. Everything in one guy, like the tremendous leader, the tremendous manager, the tremendous X's and O's guy, and then the guy that is buttoned up on all, you know, game clock. You know, you just rarely find that in one person. Belichick, um, you know, Andy Reid, uh, you know, there, it, it, but Andy Reid, we crushed him for years at being an absolute idiot when it came to clock management until he got Mahomes. Look, the bottom line is if you got really good players and you got a great quarterback, uh, it ends up masking all of that. Campbell is clearly done something right. I mean, he is a tremendous leader. He's got great coordinators, coordinators and a staff. Um, but you can't be taking knees with 16 seconds left on the play clock at the end, uh, unless I guess you're coaching against Todd Bowles. Um, unfortunate for for Bowles, that's for sure. Uh, so we've gone through the two games from yesterday, um, and the Lions, just an amazing story. Keep in mind, I mean, this was a team last year that was really coming on at the end of the year and would have been, I think, a, a much more of a threat in the postseason when they knocked Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers out in that season finale game had they gotten in. Because if you recall, they were surging towards the end of the uh, season last year. You know, that was a 1-6 start, if I recall, um, to the 2022 season, and they ended up 9-8 and eight and knocking Green Bay out. But Seattle had won earlier in the day, so Seattle got that final spot, went to San Francisco and lost, and Detroit would have, I think, been a better representative. But, man, this year, you know, you have a situation in which you have a really good chance. Um, I think there's only one uh, matchup that would not be a regular season matchup from this year, and that would be San Francisco-Kansas City. San Francisco-Baltimore played this year. It was a one-sided beatdown. Baltimore played Detroit this year. It was a one-sided Baltimore beatdown. And Detroit played Kansas City, remember, in the season opener at Arrowhead, a game they won 21-20. to So, um, you know, uh, of, of the potential matchups, uh, all of them, with the exception of San Francisco-Kansas City, would be a rematch from the regular season. But I'm telling you, watching Baltimore on Saturday, I think we are watching one of the great teams. Um, and if they end up winning the Super Bowl, they're going to go down as one of the great Super Bowl winners, I think, of all time. I mean, the DVOA numbers, we've been talking about that all year. They're one of the highest rated DVOA teams um, since that metric uh, you know, went back and, and measured a lot of teams from uh, Super Bowl winners in particular, the 91 skins considered by, by, by DVOA to be the greatest team of all time. But my God, the Ravens, I mean, they just crush people. You know, the only close game they've had, I mean, we take the Steelers' regular season finale in the rain when they when they rested their starters out of the equation. I mean, they've only played, you know, a close game like one time in the last two months, and that was that game against the Rams. You know, that was the uh, the big punt return by Baltimore in overtime 
to beat the Rams. It's a hell of a football team. Feels to me like Baltimore two more times, but they're going to go ahead and play the games anyway. Uh, They do that every year. All right, Ben Standing next with all of the news and the update related updates related to the Washington coaching search when we come back. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.